public ministry that will help us to address some of the problems that we face in our world today. So for the next couple of episodes, I'll be taking pieces of Jesus' public ministry as revealed in the scriptures for us to see how Jesus handled some of the questions that are confronting us today. And today I want us to look at how Jesus addressed the question of evil in our world or the question of bad things or evil things happening to people. A lot of times we try to make sense of calamities. We try to make sense of all sort of evil things that happen in our world. And we just don't have the bandwidth to be able to fully comprehend what it is that we are dealing with. So in our bid to try to explain it, sometimes we even make things worse. We hurt people. So today I want us to spend some time to look at the subject of dealing with evil in our world. And our caption today's episode, Deliver Us from evil. A couple of weeks ago, a friend of ours from college lost his life in a tragic road accident. And some of our friends went for the funeral service. Later on, they were conversing on social media and it emerged that one of the ministers officiating that funeral made a statement that really drew salt in the wounds of the people who attended. And he said something to the extent, I'm paraphrasing, that he has been through a lot of near misses and he survived. But because this gentleman who unfortunately lost his life, maybe because he wasn't in church or he wasn't praying, something to that effect. And it was so, so aggravating to our, my friends that it took a lot of biblical explanation and things to help them to come to terms with statements like this that we hear. And I'm sure this is not the only one. There may be times where we might have heard things like this. When we see others going through what we may consider to be serious, serious crises or calamities in their lives. 
number of years ago also have been listening to a song by Don Francisco. And one of the lyrics in that song, I've forgotten the title, was that after 9-11, with that horrendous calamity that happened, you know, and took away so many lives, it was people trying to explain it. They were alluding to all sort of policies and things that precipitated that crisis. But the long and short of it is that humanity has a problem defining and explaining evil. And that is not totally surprising. So we are all prone to be judgmental or we are prone to point fingers when we see others going through what we consider to be calamity or some serious adversity in life. But what does the Bible say? How would Jesus explain this sort of thing? It's not like when he was alive on earth, terrible things weren't happening. So we'll go to the Bible to see how we can address these questions of dealing with evil and dealing with calamities that happen in our world. Today, as we are going through this you know, podcast, our 43,000 people have lost their lives in an earthquake. How can we make sense out of this? Well, the truth is this. Evil is not something that God orchestrates. God is not the author of evil. There are two primary powers that we are caught between, the devil and God. So, God's view is not the same as the devil's view, for sure. That's very obvious. But the truth is, we tend to blame God for things that very obviously the devil has done. God may allow it. He may allow it for a purpose. So if we can't explain or understand why these things are happening, we can only take consolation in what God can make out of it for us. So it did happen that Jesus' ministry had the same sort of issues thrown at him as well to help explain evil in our world. So, in the book of Luke, chapter 13, from verse 1, certain people came to Jesus with a question. This is what they were asking Jesus. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whom, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that those Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And verse 4, All those Eighteen on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men 
who dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. So they came to Jesus with breaking news that Pilate had murdered innocent people who were worshipping and mingled their blood with the sacrifices. I mean, horrendous slaughter. Whatever the reason, it was an awful thing. And they came to Jesus, and I'm sure they were looking for answers. How do you make sense out of this? Jesus then went to another side, and he looked at it through a different perspective. He didn't condemn those people. Neither did he condemn Pilate, which is a bit strange. But the truth is that he went and then he asked them, he asked them a question, which is what addresses how people look at calamity and evil in our world. He said, do you think that this awful thing happened to these people in Galilee because they were worse sinners? He said, no. Then, before he goes on to the next one, he says, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. So, Jesus isn't dwelling on that evil per se. He goes on to look ahead at what they could make out of that situation. So, he asks them, these things, or in effect, these things didn't happen to these people because they were worse sinners. Sometimes in our world today, when terrible things or really awful things happen to people, we think it's because they, they, they did something terrible. That's why that thing happened to them. That is our, you know, our first recourse or explanation to evil. But Jesus didn't go that way. And then he points them to what is really important. And he says, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. And I will come to that shortly. Then the other thing that he also did was to refer to another disaster that happened in Jerusalem. That is, they were building a tower. Whatever that tower was for, we could only speculate. And some theologians and historians speculated that maybe it was some kind of an aqueduct they were building to bring in water because... If you remember, there's another place called the Pool of Siloam. So this Siloam Tower and the Pool of Siloam, they may be something that are related. So it could be tied to some aqueduct or something carrying water. We don't know. But whatever it was, this tower fell and 18 people were killed. By the population of the world and all of those things, those times. if you extrapolate those 18 people dying, the shock that that could create, it's almost like we witnessed like a million people dying from COVID. So Jesus said, and he asked them the same question. Do you think that these people on whom the tower fell, they were worse sinners than all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? And he said, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. The same answer he gave, <coughs> excuse me, about the same situation about the people that died when they were murdered by Herod, that's the Galilean who were murdered by Herod. So Jesus 
looked at all, he experienced these natural disasters. He saw it, he witnessed it. But what was his response to all of that? He points them to their faith as people. That is, they need to change a certain position that they are in. Remember, in John 3.16, the Bible is the same word. He said, For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, this same word perish, it is not talking about just physical death, but the human body, soul, and spirit enjoying redemption in God. So Jesus is pointing them that there is an escape route for you. We can't do anything about tower falling on people. We can't do anything about evil people going out and killing others. But what we can do is to strengthen that relationship that we have with God. What we can do is to switch to the other side where we are not at the mercy of evil. And this is important because the world system that we live in is a world system that is dominated by the devil. Its institutions, everything that is in here is masterminded by the devil. So, if we are ever going to make sense out of evil, or if we are ever going to be protected from evil, we need to switch allegiance. That is from the devil to God. So that is what he's telling them. Jesus told the disciples that, look, in this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So walking outside the protection of God, walking outside the guidance of God. We may still be in a world that is dominated by evil, that runs on the engine of evil, but we will have divine covering. So he's telling them, unless you repent, you likewise perish. That is, there is opportunity to avoid a fate like this. And that might sound very, very, very difficult for some to accept. But if you go with me to the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John chapter 14, sorry, in John chapter 17, as Jesus was rounding up his public ministry, he was praying for the disciples. And of course, that prayer extends to us. Okay, that prayer extends to us. So in the book of John, chapter 17, and the verse 15. Jesus prayed this. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but the same world, world, the cosmos, the outward adorning of the planet Earth, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So this is in effect what Jesus was telling the people in Luke chapter 13. That unless you repent, you likewise perish. Because he knows that there's going to be a time coming when all of this world and every evil, 
the earthquakes, the wars, the massacres, the shootings, all this evil work will be destroyed. But until then, our shelter is the Lord. But until then, we can only hide in the bosom of the Lord. He has overcome evil, but we need to position ourselves to enjoy that divine protection that he has bought for us. So it doesn't mean that when terrible things happen to Christians or terrible things happen to people of faith, it doesn't mean that they are not walking in the counsel and the will of God. God has a plan and a purpose. And that plan and purpose supersedes everything that the enemy can throw out at us. So the only thing that we need to do, stay in the shadow of the Almighty. Stay under his wings and then let God do what he wants to do with us. So in his high priestly prayer, he says, I do not pray that you take them out of this world. He has a plan and purpose for us to be here. But rather that God should keep us from the evil one. So that brings us to the question. Can we be protected from evil? And the answer is yes. And it's yes because of something that Jesus taught us. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, this is what he prayed. And this is what he said. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So the answer is this. We can't be protected from the evil one. And this is because if that prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray, that deliver us from the evil one, is a prayer that God cannot answer he would not have taught them to pray that prayer. So, this is how God wants us to deal with the wickedness and the evil in our world. We know that Jesus Christ in the high priestly prayer is praying that the Father should keep us from the evil one, to protect us. And then in the Lord's Prayer, we are seeing that he taught them to pray, deliver us from the evil one. So, this is the will of God. This is the will of God. And that is what we hold on to. Buildings may collapse. Cars may crash. Evil may be around us. But there is one consolation that we have. And that is, God is willing to protect us from the evil one. And whatever scheme that evil one has purposed, against our lives, against our families, against our situations. So what is our responsibility then? It is very straightforward. God is willing to protect us. God, Jesus Christ, prayed for us to be protected. So we have to pray. We have to come to that point where we tell the Lord, today as I'm going out, Deliver me from the evil one. And that is not a prayer God cannot answer. That is not a prayer 
God will say, oh, come on, you shouldn't be saying things like this. It is not faithlessness to pray that, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. Because the evil one is out to just do evil. And until that time comes, when God wraps up all this world, that is the danger, that is the threat that we live with. All we can do is to rely on our Father. Rely on our Father's mercies. Rely on our Father's grace. In closing today, I want to bring something important to your mind. As we look at this topic, too, for God to deliver us from evil. The bigger question is this. Can evil happen to us? The answer is yes. We are all susceptible to evil. But the good news is that Jesus has already overcome the devil. So it is up to us to enforce that victory that he has won for us on the cross. And what does it mean to enforce that victory? We have to pray it out. We have, we have to launch that victory in our prayer. We have to launch that victory in our praise. We have to launch that victory in our preaching. All the vocal responses that we can master, we have to launch that victory and enforce it. That is our birthright. That is our heritage. So in the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5 and the verse 8, in the epistle of John, he writes out and it might sound a bit difficult for us to embrace, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified to help us. And this is what the Bible says in verse 18. We know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. But the one who was begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. That is Christ's divine presence within him, preserves him against the evil. And the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip on him or touch him. So this is the commentary on all that we are trying to say in this podcast. That is, we make the effort to fight for our place in Christ. As you, you protect yourself, you walk in the ways of God, you choose God, you make him the center of your being. That is what Psalm 91 tells us. Then as you protect the divine presence of Christ that is in you, it preserves you against the evil. And then the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip on him or touch him. That is what God is offering us. It may be possible to make sense of the evil that is now left, but God has given us a way out. He said, He's not going to take us from this world until we've accomplished our purposes. And He's praying that the evil one will harm us or touch us. And then He goes on to say in the Lord's Prayer that we should pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. And here we are told that it is our right and our privilege to preserve the presence of Christ that is within us. And when we do that, the presence that preserves us against the evil and then the wicked one doesn't lay hold on us. When you are a child of God, the devil 
has no right to touch you without the permission of God. That is your heritage in God. He's not going to throw you into the hands of the enemy. God has his eyes on you. He's going to present you. You don't need to be afraid of the terror. You don't need to be afraid of the wickedness that is in hell. Because when God set his seal upon you, his seal is to protect you as his own. And he will deliver you from evil. You just have to stay under his protection. You just have to make him your banner and your shield. Like Psalm 91 says, He that dwells the secret place of the most high he abides under the shadow of the almighty that is your place and that is where you should be thank you so much for joining me today and i pray that as we witness all these calamities and all this evil that is flowing in our world today the lord will protect us and will deliver us from you may god richly bless you Thank you for joining me today. Amen. Fountain of my life, I worship you today. Find rest.